The episode you're about to enjoy is brought to you by Anchor Medical Supplies. This company is very special to us, as it is owned and operated by a quadriplegic. His name is Paul, and his wag of SCI, Jessica. They have been married for 22 years, and they strive to provide the best service in the industry for catheters and ostomy products. Anchor Medical Supplies is based in Georgia, but work with nationwide Medicare, Medicaid, and many private insurance companies, including Blue Cross and TRICARE. They work with your doctor's office to get prescriptions organized, and they bill insurance directly. They ship discreetly to your door without any hassles. They are passionate about advocating for those with disabilities. And most of their staff are individuals that have been affected by paralysis themselves. Their personalized services include monthly check-ins, expert advice, and customized products. This makes them a company we can really rely on and trust. They know the SCI life, and they understand how important peer support can be. If you aren't sure you want to change providers, subscribe to their monthly newsletter. Jessica curates the latest SEI news, new products, and advice so you can stay informed and connected. Just go to their website, anchormedsupplies.com, and fill out the easy form. Give Jessica and Paul a call today at 1-833-667-8669, or you can visit their website at anchormedsupplies.com and tell them the Wags of SEI sent you. Welcome back to the Wags of SCI podcast. Thank you for joining us once again. Hello, Brooke. We are still um, social isolating. We are still in two separate cities, but here we are bringing you guys the best content of Wags of SCI. Yeah, we just want everybody out there um, who are like us and have partners with paralysis who are probably isolating right now as well to just feel less alone during this time. Um, it's difficult for all of us. There's so much uncertainty and nobody knows how long this this virus is going to last. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, we just, a, it's a pretty scary time, hey? It is. It is really scary. And so today we actually have a really important topic and we wanted to get this out there um, because we have noticed that a lot of women and couples in our community don't necessarily know how to clean to prevent this virus from spreading and to actually kill it. Um, Mm -hmm. There's been, yeah, there's been so many reports that have come out by the CDC and it's at first it was, there was, it was very uncertain as to what you need to do to protect yourself as far as cleaning and sanitizing and how long the virus actually lived on surfaces. So now there's actually a report a few days ago that was done by the new England journal of medicine And they actually tested how long the active virus stays on various surfaces. So for us, it's all about education and it's all about, you know, asking the questions and getting this information out there so that we can protect ourselves and our partners and we're not, you know, spreading this virus around, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, of course. And I mean, like you said, it's all about education. Like we're, we're all in this together right now, which is kind of a cool dynamic because, you know, your neighbors, your parents, your friends, even if you're not in the spinal cord injury community or have a member of your family who is more vulnerable, we're all connected and we're all going through this together right now. So I think you got some pretty good information um, that you're going to be sharing with everybody today about steps that will prevent the virus uh, either coming into your home or how to kill it. Yeah. And, you know, we have a very unique situation because our partners are in wheelchairs. And, you know, when you're 
outside, if, let's say you go for a walk, let's say you're on pavement, let's say you're going anywhere, those wheels tend to bring in more germs than we would like. Um, so for I know, sure. So I know you and I, you, we've been anal since the beginning about really washing our floors every day, twice a day, three times a day, whenever mm-hmm. our partners come back in, because those wheels bring in a possibility of bringing the virus in. So, right. Yeah. And I, and I mean, not even like, just like our partners in the wheelchairs, it's like, even us, if you're yes. exiting your home and your shoes, the bottom of your shoes, um, how do you even wear gloves properly to protect right. both you and other people around you too? Right. So, I mean, remember that little demo that I did um, on our Instagram showing people? So, Brooke and I, basically, long story short, we recently did an occupational first aid course um, that we just wanted to have. It was really great because it was a refresher on how to do CPR, right? And how to actually, like, save somebody's life. And then we asked all the questions about... Um, how do we perform these skills effectively on our partners who are in chairs? How, what does CPR for somebody in a chair look like? So that was kind of cool. But remember that part where they showed us how to take gloves off properly? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like it was like mind-blowing. Like I even thought, I was like, whoa, I've been doing it wrong this whole time. Yeah. And it, it, it was interesting because if for those of you that didn't see the demo that Alina did, the demo and the, the little jig that she did on our Instagram channel, um, <laughs> Alina, do you want to try and explain it um, in words as best you can as to the process of removing gloves properly? Because I know that a lot of people, you know, we're lucky um, as as quad and parawise, we have access to medical gloves um, already. So a lot of us have them in our house already. And you know, for a while there was, there was conflicting information out there as to whether you should wear gloves out, whether you should not. And the reason why is because people are wearing them improperly. People are taking them off improperly and it actually is causing more trouble than not. But if you wear them properly and you take them off properly, then they're actually a great barrier to make it so that it's a supplement when you can't get to a sink to wash your hands right away. Right. No, totally. And I know a lot of people use like hand sanitizer and you and I are both like we're mostly we're anti-chemical. But during this time, I think (laughs) finding even hand sanitizer right now is really tough. Um, We'll share a little recipe that Brooke has also on how to make your own hand sanitizer later in this episode. Um, But anyway, so basically the process of wearing gloves. Why do we wear gloves? It's not only just to protect us, but it's also to protect other people around us. And the same goes for the face mask. You know, I know it feels really uncomfortable wearing these, but even the other day I went and did like a big Costco shop and I felt really weird putting it on the face mask because A, everybody was staring at me. They were like, well, why is she wearing that? Like if it's to protect other people from me then am I sick like people kind of gave me that you know that that little bit of that stereotype kind of Mm -hmm. came through and I was really for the first time in my life I've I haven't had to deal with that sort of feeling of like everybody's looking at me what are they thinking Mm -hmm. I look different I look like maybe they think I'm like a radical like why am I wearing these things but in that sense I was like whatever I don't care well you (laughs) know what yeah and you know what they at the beginning of this, they said, you know, don't wear a face mask unless you're showing symptoms and you have to go out. But the thing is, is that people need to understand is that for a lot of us like you, you we want to wear them because it prevents us from touching our face. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think there's a stat out there that says that, you know, you touch your face, you know, every minute 
like 20 times or something like that. It's insane. You don't even realize that you're doing it. And that's the problem with the spread of this virus is you touch your face and you don't know it. And that's how it gets in. That's how it gets into your mouth and your nose and your eyes. And wearing face masks is a really good tool to make it so you're aware of your face and your 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 nasal uh, areas and you you don't want to touch your face so that kind of helps but yeah I know what you mean like when I wear mine up they're like oh my god you're sick Ah." (laughs) run for the hills (laughs) right and so it's like you don't want to like create more fear on top of the fear but at the same time you're like gotta do what I gotta do man like (laughs) exactly 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 and you know what? It's funny because I was wearing the face mask and the gloves. And at one point of like my my shop when I was checking out, I remember specifically like going to like scratch my nose with my gloves and almost lifting the mask out oh, to do yeah, it. And yeah. I, yeah, and I stopped myself right away. I was like, ah, yeah. like, what am I doing right now? Like, it's just like, you know, I kind of actually can compare this to when like, my partner was first paralyzed and he he had all these itches on his face but he couldn't move to itch them like that first like initial week where you know he was like getting used to being a quadriplegic where it's like your limbs are not working Mm -hmm. and and I remember him just like lying there in Cuba in the bed being like oh my god I'm so itchy can you itch this can you touch this and I was like even like with the mask and the hand, like having my gloves on, I was like, whoa, like this might be, might like very, very small little bit might represent what it feels like not to be able to do something that you're, that's so ingrained in you to do like the practice of touching everywhere all around you. Right. That's a really good perspective. And that's a really good, like little awareness piece that we can add to our lives. I think that's really, that's really cool. And it's totally true. And, Mm -hmm. you know, having those restrictions and, you know, in general, I think society is is becoming more aware of how often we touch our face and how it's now something that we can't do. And it's almost like a little. Yeah, I mean, you're totally right. It's also like the lack of freedom. We're, we keep on going back to this same topic over and over again that, you know, us in the spinal cord injury community and um, other people that do, you know, do feel like they're the vulnerable society, what it feels like to be isolated and fearful. And again, that lack of freedom, right? So this is this is going to be a very interesting time to see how we all come out on top. So yeah, yeah. So we'll let's see. yeah. So let's get back to the gloves. So can you kind of describe? Mm-hmm. I know it's more of a visual thing, but can you try and describe it in words how to properly remove your gloves? So the whole purpose of wearing gloves. First of all, you want to have clean hands um, when you're when you're putting on the gloves, or if they're dirty, you're putting on the gloves because your hands are dirty. So whatever you're trying to break that barrier between contact between your hands and whatever the outside the foreign things that you're touching are in the environment. Mm -hmm. So the whole point of when you take off the gloves, you cannot let the inside of your hand touch the outside of the glove. So what you want to do is you want to pull the fingertips all up first on both hands. Then you want to grab in the middle where your palm is and pull that a lot, like the elastic glove, pull it away from your palm. And then you want to grab it with the other hand and kind of, like grab it so you're curling it in and then you take your I guess let's say right hand where you're pulling from the palm and you want to fold them in without any of it touching so you want to fold it into a little ball 
um, without any of the pieces touching your wrist, you want to like pull it out from your wrist. So you want to make sure you can curl it up. And of course, the main piece here is throw it in the trash. I've been seeing so many videos, even seen personally yesterday, Dan and I were just going for a quick walk around the block and um, just seeing people discarding their their used gloves just all over the grass and the ground. It's kind of like, you know, I think people think that you can just take them and just throw them. Oh, get them away from my body as quickly as possible. But you do you are responsible for putting these things in the trash. And that's very, very important because bacteria could also be living on them. The germs could be on the glove and somebody else is going to have to come through and clean it up anyways. So mm-hmm. it's a super important. It's also, it's not just like out of respect for your fellow neighbor, but it's, this is your duty to throw out your own trash like you would with anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very true. So uh, before we get into everything about cleaning and everything you need to know about cleaning and disinfecting, let's put this episode on a momentary pause because we want to introduce all of you to another one of our amazing sponsors, Wishart Brain and Spine Law. Led by our personal mentor and lawyer, Robin Wishart, Wishart Brain and Spine Law is a uniquely specialized law firm located in Vancouver, BC. They focus their practice on complex spinal cord injury and traumatic brain injury cases and work with clients all over North America as advocates and a much needed resource in the spinal cord injury community. Robin and her team look at their clients differently than most firms. You're not just a case. You're a person with a family, a life, and a purpose. Robin and her team are always looking for ways that they can help rebuild the best life possible for their clients by finding them the support they need for their recovery. This includes assisting with insurance and benefits paperwork, finding resources for home adaptations, setting up medical appointments with doctors and specialists, and of course, making sure that their clients are doing A-OK physically and mentally. Wishart Brain and Spine Law is proud to support WEGS of SCI. Robin is committing to helping clients and their family any way she can because she wants you to live a life and not a claim. Your first consultation is always free. So contact them at brainandspinelaw.com and make sure you mention that the WEGS of SCI sent you. So let's get into cleaning because, you know, this has been a really Mm -hmm. hot topic and there's so much misinformation out there. So um, I guess let's talk about how long this virus has been proven to live on surfaces because every surface is different. Um, So this report from the New England Journal, they microscopically measured how long the actual virus lives on a surface. So... I think first it's important to note that this virus is transferred through droplets. So I know people were um, reading that report that came out about the cruise ship and how um, Mm -hmm. 17 days was how long that these virus particles were detected on the surfaces because the rooms of the infected people hadn't been cleaned yet. And so everyone was freaking out like, oh my gosh, 17 days. But experts have weighed in and said, you know, that, the particles that we found showed a presence, but they weren't at the level that it would infect you because they were dry and it was inactive. The important mm-hmm. thing is, is, you know, when someone coughs, sneezes, waters their eyes, those are all droplets. Um, right. And that's how it's transferred. And be- it's transferred that way because it is wet and because it is hosted in a wet droplet. Um, that being said, 
they've actually looked and calculated how much time it takes for the virus to become inactive on a surface. So there's all different surfaces. So now that we understand that it has to be wet, there's still a certain amount of time that it's left on a surface. Um, Mm -hmm. So let's start with cardboard. So we all are like receiving cardboard boxes from Amazon right now. Um, It lasts for 24 hours on cardboard. On cardboard? Yeah. So, and that. Oh my God. Yeah. So it lasts for 24 hours on cardboard. They've proven after 24 hours um, the virus is in an inactive. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, not all of us can leave our cardboard boxes out in front of our houses or in our mail, right. mail areas. So what they suggest to do is to spray it down uh, with your disinfectant that you're using um, and then handle it with gloves and dispose of the cardboard box with gloves as soon as you can. Um, if you are lucky enough to have a porch or a back area that's safe to leave your stuff out there, do it. Leave it out for 24 hours minimum, then spray it down and then handle it with gloves as you would um, if you don't need the items right away. That's probably the safest thing to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you needed the items right away, I guess you could just open the cardboard box with gloves, yes. remove the items, yep. remove the packaging and just like leave all of it just kind of out and about and then just grab the items and take them yep. inside your house um, or whatever. Yes. And then they say to dispose of the cardboard as soon as possible with gloves, obviously, and make sure you remember to disinfect the uh, scissors or the box cutter that you use to open um, the box. And then whatever's in there, make sure you spray it down first as well. Um, Mm -hmm. so I would almost use one pair because what people are doing improperly with gloves is they're wearing the same gloves and transferring it over surfaces. So it's basically doing nothing to prevent the spread. So what you could, what you should do is use one pair of gloves, open the box, take whatever's out of it with another pair of gloves, um, and, and handle what's inside with another pair of gloves so that you're not transferring from one surface to another. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like very time consuming and yes. super like, <laughs> it's crazy. I know. Yeah, it does sound crazy. But I mean, like, these are like the safety precautions that like, if you, if you can take these measures, then you are the only person that you can trust to know that it's done properly. Right? <laughs> yeah. And it's important to note that all of this stuff is available on the CDC website. Um, it's just very, very long and very confusing. And, you know, we're just trying to explain it as best we can um, so that our followers understand how it relates to us and what we will be doing and how we should be doing things to help protect ourselves. Um, so let's go totally. to plas- let's go to plastic. So plastic is uh, three days. So 72 hours, they say. So everything that's plastic, it's three days. So if you have something that, you know, let's just say you you ordered some medical supplies that are not sterile um, or some vitamins or anything in a plastic container, handle it with gloves, spray it down with your disinfectant and, you know, make sure you disinfect it because Mm -hmm. these items come from a processing center and there's multiple people that touch it. So you never know. And and during this time, it's better to be safe than sorry. Um, again, Again, you can leave it outside for three days if you have a backyard and then spray it down just to ensure that there's that the virus is probably inactive by then. Um, right. And I mean, like when you're going back to saying that there's multiple people that can touch it from within the centers that your package yes. is coming from, this also means that not all of us um, have the opportunity to isolate and that there are still some companies out there that and businesses that are still running. And there are still some people out there in different countries that are still told to go to work so it depends where your items are coming from Mm -hmm. you don't know the population you don't know their regulations you don't 
known cultural differences and norms of how they see to deal with the coronavirus right now, that it's very important, like Brooke was saying, to do these things, right? Exactly. And I was also reading an opinion the other day online about um, how... If you can, ordering online is still better than going to a store. And the reason why, even with like fruits and vegetables and and grocery products, if you can order online, it's actually better because the chain is smaller of people who have handled it. Um, So when you're, it's, it's not just limited to the chain though, it's also there's people walking around open produce and people walking by cans and, and, and milk jars and all that stuff all day long at the grocery store, even though there's less people, there's still those people that are around these items. So you're best off ordering as much as you can online because, because there's less people exposed to it and you're reducing your chances of having that virus in your vicinity even more that way. Right. That makes sense. I mean, these are great tips for sure, Brooke. Um, So let's move on to the next one. Okay. So steel. So it says steel is the same 72 hours, three days. Um, And this is obviously if it hasn't been disinfected, this is how long it lasts on, on that surface. So, I mean, we've done steel plastic. So now we're getting to the worst. Um, This is 96 hours and it's glass. Oh, my God. So that is one of the longer um, areas that the virus can live. Um, I think it's due to condensation. And and this is not 100% accurate. But in my mind, knowing that it lives in in water and droplets, I think glass um, has a different condensation um, rating than most surfaces. So I don't know if that makes sense to anyone else out there. But it's 96 hours. So... Mm -hmm. That is things like computer screens, that are things like cell phones. So make sure Mm -hmm. that you're disinfecting those things, you know, a few times a day. Um, Yeah, for sure. They say that your cell phone and your money are like the grossest things that you could have on your person. (laughs) That's one thing. Yeah, they said that money is it it lasts on on money services three to four days. So make sure that you are using your Apple Pay or your tap devices um, as much as you can, because, you know, Right. Cash is, cash is really, really dirty. <laughs> Not just for this, for all germs. So and you know what's so important. funny? Yeah. You know what's so funny? Remember when we were making that joke? So recently in the last like few years or whatever, Canadian money went from being paper to mm-hmm. plastic. Mm-hmm. So there was this like meme circulating saying once a year or once every few months or once every month, we should all be soaking all of our Canadian money in the mm-hmm. sink with like soap and disinfectant yeah. and washing it. Because then that way, even if you are paying for something and somebody else has your money, the chances are like, maybe we could cut down on the germs. I don't know. It was yeah. kind of more like a funny thing. Cause again, it's like, who who's actually going to do that. But yeah. I was like, that's brilliant. In Canada, we can actually wash our money. Yeah, that's very cool. I wonder if it's the same in the States. I don't know. Well, well, their money, I think, is is paper, right? Is it? Yeah, it's paper. And it's all the same color. Oh, okay. I thought it was like a different material by now. Okay. No, um, our, our Canadian money looks like Monopoly money, a lot of people <laughs> will say, because it's like colorful, it's plastic. <laughs> hey, that's funny. Um, okay, so... The two, um, there's actually one surface that is only four hours, and that's copper, a copper Mm -hmm. surface. So copper is used in hospitals a lot just because of this reason, Um, because viruses last for four hours on a copper surface. So it does help, you know, reduce the risk. Um, 
So that. So was- I guess. So I guess we should all be drinking Moscow Mules from now on. <laughs> from copper. Mugs. From copper mugs. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. Good point. Um, so I mean, from my personal experience with all of this cleaning stuff, I I uh, a week ago I was literally obsessed. Actually, it's more than a week. I don't even know what day it is, but it was more than a week ago when we first started isolating. I was obsessed with like reading all the information, how to disinfect, why, what kills it. Um, But the reason being is, like Elena said earlier, I am a natural health freak and I don't like to clean with products that are chemicals. And that being said, when I went, you know, 10 days ago to the store, all of the disinfectants were gone. There were no natural disinfectants. There were no chemical disinfectants. There was nothing. And so that sparked my interest in, okay, what could I use that I already have that could possibly kill this virus? So I looked it up, and basically what they say kills it is hydrogen peroxide, minimum 3 to 6% undiluted hydrogen peroxide. We all have this laying around our house. Um, don't mm-hmm. mix it with anything because it's already diluted. You can mix your hydrogen peroxide if you have like the 35% food grade peroxide. You can mix it with water. Um, directions for the mixing is online. But if you have regular hydrogen peroxide, 3, 6, 10 volume at home, don't dilute it. Just put it in a spray bottle and use that. And that is a natural way because um, it's an oxygen cleaner. And right. No, but you also have to be careful because it comes in a dark bottle for a reason, right? Yes. So you actually can't have it out to sunlight and it will bleach if you're spraying it like on fabrics and whatnot. Yes. So these are things that you guys have to keep in mind. A, if you're going to put it in a spray bottle, it has to be a really dark, solid spray bottle. Yep. Secondly, it is a natural bleach if you use um, if you use enough of it. So it's good, like Brooke was saying, to put these things on um, like solid surfaces that you yes. don't mind if they're getting bleach yeah and keep it away from fabric furniture I've made so many mistakes I used to use um, skincare with peroxide in it and even after I'd wash it off I'd use towels and I I ruined so many towels because I oh me too yeah you know that one once it was gray now it's like a yellowy beige stained Uh, bleach towel (laughs) yes so so we don't want to stain our furniture so the other thing that kills that they've proven kills the virus is minimum 70 percent alcohol Um, You can mix alcohol with peroxide if you have them. Uh, Again, you can find some ways to mix your cleaners online and some DIY websites. Um, Some of the good ones have an actual mixing. I I got some good recipes. So just do some searching online if you want to go the more natural route, which is like Mm -hmm. peroxide and alcohol. Um, And then also... Sorry. Sorry, by alcohol, do you mean vodka? (laughs) It has to be minimum uh, 40%. Minimum 70%. So unless you have 70% alcohol, vodka, like moonshine, <laughs> that won't do. Hey, this might be a good time for all of us to start getting to the bathtub moonshine yes. business. And then we can create a revenue where we can all make money. The Wags of SEI, moonshine, sanitary, cleaning Speakeasy. supplies. Speakeasy. Cleaning yeah, supplies and booze to go. That's right. <laughs> so you just have a little sip and then you wash your hands and you're all good. No, but in all but in all seriousness, there was, I saw on the news, there were some distilleries, vodka distilleries that were actually going out and making hand sanitizer and giving it out to people, yeah. which I thought was freaking amazing yeah. and giving it out like for free, just being like, hey, we've got the supplies. Um, the liquor stores are always going to be full of vodka. I yeah. mean, I've 
I was there recently and there was no shortage of vodka there, but there is a shortage of hand sanitizers. So Brooke, can you tell us what your recipe is for the hand sanitizer that you make at home? Yeah. So, um, I found this online. It was actually a great recipe because it uses 70% alcohol, which is what you need to kill the virus. So a lot of people are out of hand sanitizer, but you can still get rubbing alcohol pretty much everywhere. So, um, what you do is you mix 70% uh, rubbing alcohol with some aloe vera and aloe vera is available pretty much anywhere. You can get it online. I got mine on Amazon, aloe vera gel, and then a few drops of a desired essential oil for scent. Um, so whatever you like, you can use tea tree, you can use whatever scent you like, lavender. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a really good homemade hand sanitizer that actually does kill the virus because it's 70% alcohol. So maybe yeah, that's look, awesome. Yeah. Maybe look that one up um, and research that because there was quite a few online that were actually really good. Um, so mm-hmm. next, I, I mean, sorry, sorry, just quick. Um, and I mean, you can always like a lot of people, I know my grandparents at one point grew like a bazillion aloe vera plants and they split and you can split them really quickly, almost like a little spider. You split it and then you divide it and you can have a billion aloe vera plants all around your place, which is something that is good to keep in mind for future use. Yeah. But you can grow aloe vera really, really easily. And then you have your endless supply. If you have the rubbing alcohol and the aloe vera, you have your endless supply of, Um, hand sanitizer forever. Yeah. And you're avoiding use of unnecessary chemicals, which is important, especially when you're dealing with nervous, um, central nervous system impacted guys. I mean, chemicals have been proven to go into your nervous system. So you want to kind of minimize as much as humanly possible interaction with harmful chemicals. And I know there's a lot of passionate wags of SCI out there that are, that are similar minded. They don't want to like risk, you know, making their partners and themselves feeling sick. So another thing that they listed that kills the virus is that everyone has around their house is bleach. That being said, bleach is very dangerous. Um, You have to mix it properly, but it does kill the virus. Um, So if you have bleach lying around, you can look online and um, mix it accordingly. Obviously make sure that your windows and doors are all open when you're cleaning with it and just follow whatever instructions you need to, to make it as safe as possible. But those three things you can find around your house and they do kill the viruses. One thing I will note though, that's very important that a lot of people aren't doing properly is there's a list on the CDC website of how long you have to leave the certain disinfectant on surfaces in order for it to kill the coronavirus completely. And I, I, I know people aren't doing that. So what you have to do is you have to leave it wet for 10 minutes minimum on a surface Mm -hmm. to kill the virus. So that means when you're like coming in, you're washing your floors, a lot of people will like swipe, swipe, swipe. No, yes. you got to soak your floors for 10 minutes, let it sit there. Yep. Hopefully it doesn't dry up. And then you just kind of swipe it all off. Yeah. And you, if you're using a mop, what I've been doing is I spray an area, let it sit for a minute or so. And then I make sure the mop is is damp with the product too. So I right. wash the floor and then as that dries, it usually takes about 10 minutes, but you have to make sure that it's wet on the surface or else you won't be killing anything. It'll just make kill a, a portion of it. Mess. It won't kill everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be true. spreading Corona all inside yeah, your home, true. which is not the ideal situation. So what are some, um, Also, just before we end the cleaning products little segment of this podcast, there's a complete list. I swear it's like 15 pages long on the CDC website of actual brands. Um, If you want to know what brands to buy and look for, there's 
a whole extensive list of all the brands that are approved to kill the virus um, online. So you can go there and look it up and see what mm-hmm. works for you. Um, we just thought we'd mention some ones that have been proven to kill the virus that you, you have at home and that are easier to find nowadays. Um, right. So that being said, why don't we go into like how this applies to our lives with the wheelchairs and what we should be doing um, as far as cleaning yeah I I mean it's kind of it's a kind of a weird thing because so if you're quadriplegic chances are you wear gloves so you're wearing gloves to push your wheelchair which allows you to have better stronger more efficient grip on your wheelchair meaning that you don't have to use as much arm strength to push and wheel um and Paris too and Paris too they wear gloves right yeah yeah for sure no that's true too um so when our guys are wearing gloves like for instance my partner wears um baseball gloves like they're they're flimsy and whatnot and of course yesterday we were out and I said to him I was like you know I see that he's using the gloves to push and then he's taking things and like putting things in his mouth like Mm -hmm. let's say like he needed to like grab his vape and he's still Mm -hmm. wearing the gloves and Mm -hmm. he's touching his phone with the gloves and touching his debit card with the gloves and um I was like oh you know like (laughs) these gloves they're pretty dirty as it is and sometimes one of his favorite things to do when he comes in the door is throw them on the table mm-hmm. like a dining room table um which has been like a conversation between us for quite a while so yesterday we were wheeling around or whatever just around the house um I was like you know you can't actually like bring these onto your bed or onto like into the house and he was like no no like I've already ordered some these are going straight into the trash but I thought to myself how many times do we not think about this because it's such a it's a natural way of life and part of our lives and routines are to put these gloves on and just take them off and just Mm -hmm. put them down right yeah because a lot of us we also don't have like 40 bucks each each time we buy new gloves like that's a lot of money if you were Mm -hmm. to throw them out after every use that's ridiculous right Mm -hmm. so well, we, fabric, fabrics in general, they say on the CDC website that you have to wash your clothes as often as needed. So if you go into a more public space or you're in contact with, you know, someone that has it or someone that is sick and you don't want to bring it back, you have to wash your clothes. And so we're, we've been washing our clothes every time we come in the house from a public outing. We haven't been doing very many public outings, um, but it's important right. to wash your clothes because the virus lives on fabrics for up to three to four days. They've proven that totally so the glove thing i mean i guess for our followers get gloves that are washable or get a spray a disinfectant spray that can go on fabrics exactly totally and even when you're taking your clothes off when you come in the in the door what you want to do is you take your outer let's say you're wearing a t-shirt and a sweater you take your 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 sweater off you take your pants off and you wrap it in the t-shirt because the t-shirt is what's touching your body the closest Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so chances are it'll be on the outer layers of your clothes if it Mm -hmm. is on your clothes so you want to wrap everything into a little ball within your Mm t-shirt and then just throw it right into a bag or right into the washing machine and get that off your body as quickly as possible um i know again these sound like very you know we sound like we're like cuckoo a little bit with all these percussions and we have to we have to take these measures Mm -hmm. because it's all it takes is one moment of contact with the wrong individual who Mm -hmm. is sick who is contagious obviously this very contagious virus um all it takes is one person 
to get you uh, contaminated as well. So exactly. Yeah. And us as caregivers, we have to be extra cautious because we're, we're the ones that are going out. Um, Cause you know, my husband and I, like, I don't want to risk him getting sick. So I'm the one, if we do go out once a week to get something from the store, if we need something or, you know, we'll take all the precautions, but then things like, you know, we'll wear gloves in and out of the store, take them off. But then when we get home, you don't want to track that into the house. So I always make sure that I have an extra pair of shoes that are for indoors only. So I spray the bottom of my outdoor shoes off, leave them outside to dry, um, you know, minimum 10 minutes, the base of the shoes, um, and then have a pair of shoes that are for indoors only. And then I make sure I don't go outside with those shoes just so you're not tracking any potential droplets into the house. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, the next, the next big thing is our partner's backpacks. All of our partners have backpacks on the back of their chairs because Mm -hmm. that is kind of, you know, beside your pouch, some people don't even have a pouch. Um, that stores your wallet, your phone, mm-hmm. your catheters, your, you know, urinal, whatnot, in your backpack, you want to make sure those things are cleaned off as well. And your urinals are all very, very, well, they should be clean because <laughs> urine goes into them. But that all that stuff that's, that's being touched outside of the home is really protected. And then the very last one, the big, big one is your wheels. When you're pushing, your wheelchair is basically your feet. So your wheels, your rims will all be very, very dirty. No matter what, you should clean your your wheelchair wheels. But at this time, especially, it is so important to disinfect your wheels before you come into the house. And I'll be completely honest, we have not been super duper on top of this one, even though it's probably the most important one. But these are the legs for our partners. So what would you say you guys do? What's your process for that? So um, my husband has a power chair and a manual chair. For, so for the time being, and I know there's a lot of other quads out there that have the same situation. For the time being, um, his power chair is his outdoor chair. So when we go for a walk with our dog, and we're only, we've only been going out once or twice a day and, and keeping to very isolated areas to take our dog out, he comes back in, I transfer him out of his power chair into his manual chair, and his manual chair is only indoors. I've disinfected the wheels and it stays indoors. So then what we do, I transfer him into that, and then I move the uh, power chair into an area that's out of the way. Um, we have this like rug for it. It's not, it's like a industrial rug that it sits on in the corner. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I make sure that I disinfect the floors. So once or twice a day, I'm disinfecting the floors after his chair comes in, not just the areas that the wheels have touched everywhere, because you just want to make sure that all surfaces are, are disinfected as much as possible. Cause you never know what you miss. We do so many things in, right. in, in habit and we, we don't pay attention. Right. So that's mm-hmm. our process. He stays in his manual chair when he's inside and that does not go outside. And, and that's just kind of breaking the chain indoors. That being said, if you don't have two chairs, spray your wheels off before you come in. That's pretty much all you can do, right? Yeah, that is pretty much all you can do. That is definitely certain. And I mean, like we have been saying time and time again, hopefully this virus will teach all of us in the public how very, very important it is to wash your hands, to stay hygienic, Mm -hmm. to keep your germs very low at bay and just Mm -hmm. be very, very mindful of 
cleaning everything really, really well and how so important it is to wash your hands. I would say the only other thing that we can say about wheelchairs is if there's lots of plastic surfaces on wheelchairs, there's lots of metal surfaces. So anywhere that there's a metal or plastic surface, just take one of your wipes and take one of your cleaners and wipe it down once or twice a day. Um, it's better to be safe than sorry, you know, especially on the joysticks of the power chairs. You want those to be really clean because they're touching them with their hands, right? So, yeah, you know, but also at the end of the day, you want to be precautious because this is kind of like a... I want I think it's a once every 100 year kind of thing where there's a big pandemic and you know you're it's not you're not going to be doing this forever so in my mm-hmm. opinion it's worth it to just be kind of anal about all this stuff in 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 the meantime just to make sure because you don't want to get this you don't want to have your partner get this you know no you don't you want to stay safe you want to stay isolated as much as possible um and yeah That's the way you do it by being very careful and taking that extra time. I mean, most of us right now, we're all laid off. We're at home. We're spending a lot more time. We have a lot more time in our day to be a a bit more careful. Yeah, it's so true. And once again, if you guys need any more information on cleaning processes and products, there is a huge resource on your CDC website. Um, every, Every country has one. So make sure you go and visit that and peruse around if you're interested. But I feel like these tips, we, we covered a lot. And I feel like a lot of people mm-hmm. didn't know these things um, just from what we've been seeing on the private group. And uh, right. we hope we can help someone stay a bit more safe. And also going forward, these during flu season in general, these are good tips to do during flu season because our partners, you know, even regular flus can affect their lungs way more than able-bodied people. So we want to be extra cautious, you know, when bugs are going around. I think this will help us just to be a little bit better with that, like you were saying before. Yeah, so totally. And of course, if you guys have any more questions for us, you can find us at wagsofsci at gmail.com and on Instagram. Yes, and you can also visit our website, wagsofsci.com. And we thank you so much for tuning in. We hope we helped at least one person with this. And we are with you, although we're isolated. We're all in this together. We are all in this together, girlfriend. Thanks for listening. The advocacy and outreach group Wags of SCI is currently a volunteer-based operation. We raise funds year-round to pay for date nights for our couples, essential medical supplies that our members may not be able to afford, mental health support for our WEGs, including counseling, and our amazing meetups led by our volunteer ambassadors around the globe. If you feel called to support our mission, please visit our website, wegsofsci.com, or donate directly to the WEGs of SCI GoFundMe page. We thank you for your support to help make this group possible and make a difference in the lives of SCI couples worldwide.